Hello, everyone. Hope you're having a great day. Welcome back to the PPC Podcast. This is episode eight. I'm your host, as always, Garrett Gerhardt. And with us today again is Tobin Wilson. Hey, Tobin. Hey, Garrett. How are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, feeling a little bit under the weather, but I think I'll be able to get through this just fine. Um, so we started our new series on Sunday Go, which is a journey through Luke. Um, and one of the main points of that, and I, I took notes at the very end, and there's a really good uh, line here that you said, go, don't sit, right? So think, kind of thinking about what church is or why church, um, when we take that line, go, don't sit, sit, that's definitely an action. But the question is today we can talk about is go where, right? I mean, where do we go? Even if we say something like go into the community and be the church or be like Christ, um, wow, that's that's different for a lot of people. Community could be their neighborhood. Community could be their place of work. Um, but specifically today, I want to talk about the community of Placentia Presbyterian. And more specifically, I guess kind of like a two-mile radius around the church. Uh, who lives here? Why do they live here? Uh, what are their needs? And how can we help them? So, Toby, I know that the last couple of weeks you've been um, talking about this in different spaces. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you know about our community here. Well, first of all, I hope you start feeling better. Uh, Thank you. There's nothing worse than getting a cold when it's like 90 degrees outside. That's the strangest paradox I've ever encountered. And it's it's always bewildered me. You know, I get getting a cold in the middle of winter if you live yeah. in cold climates. That I get. <laughs> You know, when it's 90 degrees outside or even mid-80s, it's like you get a cold. It's like, wait, what is happening here? So anyway, I hope you feel better. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Go is, uh, you know, the, it's so simple, and yet it, maybe that's why it's so powerful. Just go. Uh, mm-hmm. I think all too often, I mean, I know this too. I'm just, I've, I've always been surprised that people think church is, church is going to a building. Um, that's never been church in my mind. I I just, you know, we kind of get these images in our head. Of course, you go to a church, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not church. So we may, we may have talked about this a little bit last week. I, I, I can't remember, but what we do on Sunday mornings is we worship. Uh, we give thanks to God. We get encouraged. Uh, hopefully, we're fed in terms of content and inspired uh, to go be church wherever we're at, you know, so that it doesn't matter if you're, you know, an athlete. Amateur athlete or professional athlete or a teacher, um, whether you work the stock market, design art, uh, write music, poetry, uh, it doesn't really matter where you go. Um, that's being the hands and feet of Christ in those places. That's that's church. And that's really a profound statement, if you let it be. Uh, so... If that's what church really is, then this notion of going, which we're in this book of Luke, you know, uh, which the book of Luke compels us to go. Uh, and Easter's story about freedom just gets us to the start line. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I'm free in Christ. Uh, I'm free from the past. I'm free from hurts, habits, and hangups. I'm, I'm free from the anxiety of what the future is in store. I'm, I'm, I'm free in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. Now what? Well, go. So freedom gets you to the start line. Go is the adventure and the journey of life. And mm-hmm. you're the hero of that journey as God walks with you, right? So so it does make sense to talk about if we're if we're compelled out of gratitude and love and transformation 
to go and be the hands and feet of Christ in our neighborhood, it's all, it's probably a good thing to know what our neighborhood's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, who's in our neighborhood? What are they like? Get to know our neighbors. Do I know my neighbors? Right. You know, do I socialize with anybody other than church people on Sunday mornings? If not, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, and uh, so anyway, I, I'm fascinated by the demographics of it. I'm fascinated by the sociology of it. I'm fascinated by the theology of it. I'm fascinated by the missiology of it. And I'm challenged by all those things. And I, I think it really brings the best out in people. And it has the potential to bring the worst out, out in folks. But uh, really, what, what is our neighborhood like within a five-mile radius? Some, some great information is available through an organization called Mission Insight. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're not a part of Mission Insight... Uh, you can become a part of that. Uh, just do a Google search, www.missioninsight, and you can sign up for a small fee. Uh, you can gain some really significant demographics of, of your area within a 5 or 10, whatever the, whatever the mile radius is. You just punch it all in, and you get way more information than you could possibly imagine. Hundreds of pages. Hundreds of pages. Then you synthesize it down. And I've done that on behalf of the church. And I learned that the average age within a five-mile radius of this place called Placentia Presbyterian Church, the average age is 36 right now. Mm -hmm. And in the year 2021, it'll be 38. Hmm. How old are you? I'm 35. I'll be 38 in 2021. Nice. (laughs) You are nailing that. You're average age. You're in the average age. Half a million people live in a five in that five mile radius. One fifth of them, or a hundred or a hundred thousand of them, are uh, between birth and seventeen years old. Now, this is the thing that's fascinating to me because this this brings all kinds of different this next uh, factoid. This this we could spend a whole day or two unpacking this. Forty three percent are Latino. Thirty nine percent are Anglo, Euro Anglo. 13.5% are Asian, 2.6% are Pacific Islanders, and 1.7% are African American. R- hear that again. That means that 39% are Euro American, Euro Anglo, and 60% are persons of color. Hmm. 60% are persons of color. That's our neighborhood. Yeah. And for me, the challenge as a pastor always is is, is the church on a Sunday morning reflective of the demographics of the neighborhood as a picture in a way that is a preview of heaven. And uh, so we're, we're diverse. We're a multicultural church, but we're probably 60% Anglo and 40% persons of color, so we still have a little bit of work to do. I mean, we're yeah. in a good place, all yeah, things sure. considered, but we've got work to do. And uh, we're going to unpack that some more, I think, later, because yeah. you're a pretty smart guy. Um, then here's another factoid that's interesting. 19% of the folks in a five-mile radius uh, are called religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S. 25% are spiritual, but they're not religious, which means they believe in something spiritual, but they don't, they're not involved in any organized faith. 67% in our radius are not involved in a church at all. Hmm. Largest growing... Uh, group of people in the whole United States right now are the religious nuns. They claim no religious uh, heritage. And that, what is that here in this area? It's 19%. I would in, imagine in that we area. are, as far as California goes, we are probably slightly, that's probably lower for us than it is maybe in Los Angeles or. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? It's lower for us here than LA County. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, LA County, the religious nuns would be a little bit higher because yeah. this is Orange County is still a little, you know, it's the Bible Belt of California. Yeah. Whatever basically. That, yeah. Whatever, if that can be that. Whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, that was a metaphor to help us all recognize that Orange County has still got a little bit more of a spiritual and a Christian base than even LA County would. But these numbers are growing fairly exponentially around the whole country, mm-hmm. uh, even in even in the Bible Belt South. Yeah, that's that's oh, it's one in five people. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of unheard of. I mean, in the past, probably seventy years, you mm-hmm. know, you wouldn't self-proclaim to have no religious background. You know, to be culturally accepted, you would say something, even if you didn't go. Right. You, know, you would say, probably a denomination or Christian or Catholic or something like that, just just to fit in. But now, you know, the the nuns with the people who uh, are religious but not spiritual, or spiritual not religious, and the people who don't go to church, uh, that's definitely the minority already. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's a really good point, too. I hadn't thought about that. You know, even 50 years ago, no one would ever claim no religious affiliation. They would default. to Even if they lived like that, they would right. default to their heritage, their rootedness as, as a child, perhaps, growing up, right. which would have been... Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. We didn't have non-denominations back then. Right. Maybe we may have had Pentecostals, but even the that movement in uh, the Vineyard, for example, Charles uh, Wimber, some of those things uh, started out in California and made their way from west to east. Fascinatingly, so. right. So anyway, there's there's a tremendous mission field right in our neighborhood. Yeah. Don't have to go anywhere. Spend a lot of money. Just got to cr- walk across the street, which is fascinating. The other thing about our community: sixty-five percent of the population in a ten-mile radius or five-mile radius. So that means f- ten-mile. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What is that? Uh, not diameter. Radius is. So from where <laughs> we are, go out five ask. miles, you know, yeah. and draw a circle. So yeah. it's really it's a five-mile radius, but it's actually ten miles. Yeah. And Hopefully you get that. Uh, 65% are white collar and 35% are blue collar. So we're fairly well educated, actually. Largest age group, 35 to 54. Dang it, I missed that by like one year. Uh, Followed by 0 to 17. And then the third largest age group is 65 and over. So we have a a younger Mm -hmm. to mid and then old, old, uh, frankly. Average household income, 95 grand. And it's going up to 103 grand in 2021. So not too bad, but in terms of Orange County standards, that's still that's middle class, mm-hmm. maybe lower middle class actually. 50% are married, 34% never married, so a high single population. Yeah, 16% are in transitions. Um, so 50/50 married to never married and in transition. This is interesting. Um, so there's a somewhat non-traditional view of Jesus, and there's a somewhat progressive. Uh, they're somewhat progressive on social and moral issues, and what I think that means is, LA County is moving to Orange County mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of the way they view uh, issue, social issues, homelessness, immigration, morality. And even who Jesus really is, who God really is, are these literal truths or are they metaphorical truths? And there's there's a softening of some of those those boundaries that, you know, 
25 years. The other thing that's fascinating is the things that were heresy 25 years ago now are essentially mainstream. So I think, right. I think that's really what that means. It's, it's, it's moving in that Orange County direction. So that's the mission field of hmm. PPC. Yeah. I threw a lot out at you there. It's a lot to digest. Yeah. But it's fascinating to at least notice what we've just noticed. Yeah. Um, the difficulty... Sorry, I'm talking too much. No, good. Difficulty for me as a pastor is, what do you do with all that stuff? Um, how do you use that information to inspire people to adopt new ways of being and doing church in the community in the world? How do you use that information to inspire and transform folks to consider something other than what we've always done? Uh, and how do you do that in a way where they're, they don't feel beat over the head with that information? They feel empowered with that. Hmm. It's a really hard thing to, to, to consider how to do that. Right. Uh, you know, I know I have some friends <laughs> who would say, don't even try. Just go start your own church down the street. Right. Right? Yeah. And specifically targeting. What's the point? Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Just go somewhere where you can start it again on your own. Right. And I have a lot of loud voices from friends that I've gone through ministry with saying, you know what, dude, that's, that's really the thing to do. But then there's this other really, to me, it's a stronger voice. Now this is where you're called. Mm -hmm. And uh, work with the good men, women, and children, and the people that are right in front of you to do that. So it's kind of a fascinating dynamic. When you hear, well, I'm going to throw it back at you now, when you hear this kind of thing, uh, as a member of the average age, what do you think? You know, I mean, if 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 people are being honest about you know things that they see, you know, culturally, I mean, it's not surprising. You know, I, I've always thought that you know Orange County has a a ring of whiteness, right? So either by the beach or by the mountains is where the most expensive homes are, and typically they trend to be you know, a lot of the white people live in those areas. So, you know, Yorba Linda, make a big loop, you know, through Laguna, Huntington Beach, Newport, you know, kind of this ring of, and so the center have all, has always been much more diverse, you know, and, and that's a great thing that we have people who live in this area, but it's, it is concentrated in certain areas. And obviously it's concentrated in some of the lower income where people can afford people who work the jobs that we need to be worked, to be a society need somewhere in your own community to live. But, they shouldn't be um, excluded uh, from any other, I don't know, just aspects of life in Orange County. And so I, I grew up in Huntington Beach, and then I went to school just around the corner from here. And, you know, there were significant neighborhoods that were very different than Huntington Beach. Sure. And it was like, if the school I went to was going to do like a service project or mission project, it was in some of these lower income neighborhoods, you know. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is you kind of have to define what kind of church you want to be. Um, do you want to be a church that kind of not has blinders, but kind of doesn't acknowledge the change happening around it and doesn't acknowledge um, the separate diverse cultural communities that we have. I mean, they're, they're here and it's human nature that whether people live together with people that they feel comfortable with or like, like I was saying earlier, or like um, urban sociologists would say because of gentrification, you know, the higher income people, the white people typically move out into the suburbs and then the inner cities areas become more affordable. Uh, but then you get on a cycle where they want to come back because they're cool now. 
And then the people have nowhere to live who lived in those inner city areas. So does a church want to be a community church or a destination church? And I mean, there could be value. I, I've seen like when I think of Mosaic, I think they're in LA. They're probably a destination church because they meet or have met like in a nightclub. And I don't know what the housing around the nightclub is like, but I know a lot of people personally who drive there from all over Los Angeles. Um, I've been to and seen churches that see a cheap piece of land by the freeway and they buy that and build a new campus there. I mean, you're definitely a destination church if your neighbors are cornfields and the freeway. Yeah, right. But when you're surrounded by homes and high schools and junior highs, community centers, even universities, um, you know, this is a very neighborhood focused spot that PPC has found itself in after 105 years. And, and it wasn't at the beginning necessarily, but you know, it was soon after that people decided they liked to live here and they wanted to live here. So if we're going to be a community church, a church, a neighborhood church, a church that we honestly would love and expect people to walk to on Sunday morning, to have to drive a minute or two for church, um, then we've got to open our eyes and see what is there and acknowledge it. And then, talk about what ministry looks like in that context. And I think that's, it's definitely not a bad thing. I think many churches have to do that and they probably have to do it every few years because that, that community changes. So the, the mission insight report you have now, um, man, and I don't know in 10 years, but in 30 years, who knows what that's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to even imagine how many either more people and houses and what kind of housing neighborhoods are going to be developed. Um, so, it's perfectly, nothing to be afraid of. It's perfectly healthy and natural for a church to evaluate its community, especially if they want to be a community neighborhood church. And I guess let that affect the way they do ministry um, because you want to be f- definitely effective to the people around you in your neighborhood. Yeah. I think Catholics have done, you know, really in some ways a better job of taking their theology of place more seriously than Protestants. You know, you just talked about destination locations um, and finding property near a cornfield, buying it and putting up a church, and then it's a destination location. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, right. I've, I've gone to churches like that before. Yeah. As a visitor, I've, I've, I've done it, and I've had a great, great experiences. But there's also something quite endearing about um, a church faith community that's been in its neighborhood for... 50, 60, 100, 110, mm-hmm. 25 years, 125 years. There's, they are, they are embedded. It's just, it's part of that community. And right. I, the Catholic Church has done, a, I think, a better job of that, generally speaking, than many Protestant churches have. And even some of the Protestant churches, like our own here, that have been here uh, a, a really, a very long time. Um, just because you're there doesn't mean you're still relevant. Mm-hmm. So the struggle is to stay relevant mm-hmm. in the midst of your being there for that kind of that length of time. So it's it's kind of this double ring of yeah we're here we're not going anywhere, and that's a gift. But not going anywhere without remaining relative relevant doesn't go anywhere else also. In mm-hmm. a negative side, so how do you remain relevant and stay in the same place? And that's that's a that's an intentional conversation with the neighborhood and with yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's some fairly significant pastoral work there. Yeah, that's that's different. 
for every church. Totally ch- different. And, and like yeah. you said, it's an intentional planning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up in a church in Huntington Beach that, um, you know, f- from their perspective, wasn't seeing some growth. They, they were at that kind of that thousand member barrier. And Huntington Beach has seen a lot of growth when I went there and while I lived there. Um, it kept getting more and more expensive to live there. And they, more people were moving in and they didn't see this growth. And this is not a very good story, but I'll tell it anyways. They decided to do like a, you know, multi-million dollar campus renovation because the people moving to the area were millionaires, you know, buying million dollar homes near the beach. And the campus was, you know, originally built in the fifties and sixties and kind of just looked a little bit tired. Right. And so uh, after doing that campaign within the next five or six years, they had doubled in size. So that's, you know, wow, they're, they live in a rich neighborhood, so they had to spend money. But that was intentional, right? So what do, what do people in my city, what do they expect? What do they need? Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely need to know this place is here. They definitely need to feel comfortable uh, coming on campus and feel like we this church is relevant to them and where they're at in their life. Um, and so every church has to kind of really, you know, reflect about their community and not just their campus, but their vision, you know, and and who is it that they want to be to the people in the community? And I think PBC has done a great job in many areas. Uh, we're, we're starting up an, an after-school program soon. They've had min, many after-school programs and, and homework helps because we're, we're across from a school. Um, they've had, you know, opportunities for people to get uh, meals on a, a regular basis um, and, you know, different opportunities for people right in our, in our community. But, you know, it, it kind of means something a little bit differently when you have one or two ministries reaching out to people in the community than when the church as a whole, its target focus is its community. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple, about a year or two ago, I interviewed uh, the minister over at the Catholic Church for a project I was doing for my grad program. And they're much closer to representing their neighborhood. You know, maybe there's some cultural reasons, but, you know, they're, I know that they're upwards of, of 80%, you know, Hispanic, Latino community. Um but they found relevancy in whatever it is that they offer. Hmm. And I think that that's important to them. And he was very proud of that fact. And, you know, he was, he knows, like you said, that they are a community staple and definitely PPC is as well, but that's definitely a, th- a value to continue to lift up that we want to be a backbone of this community. Hmm. And that means every couple of years we have to reevaluate who we are and what we do to remain a backbone of the community. That's a great thing. You know, something that occurs to me as we're talking and hearing that anecdotal story, I, I, you know, the listener in me, the consultant in me wonders, uh, this is provocative, so if you don't like provocations, now would be your time to shut the podcast off. Uh, I'm wondering out loud with you if, if the Catholic Church has a better understanding of its neighborhood and race relations than the Protestant churches do, because uh, when you look at demographics in particular and the way the cycle repeats itself, uh, many of the mainline churches that have been uh, prominent in the country have been driven by upper middle class Anglo folks. And when the neighborhood around it begins to, ch- when the neighborhood around it begins to change, uh, upper middle class, uh, 
And upper class white folks don't always know how to handle that. And even to say that, then that makes certain segments of the Anglo population uncomfortable in the sense of don't make me feel bad for being white. Actually, that's not the intent. The intent is to recognize how much power, inherent power there is in being white and being able to hold that at bay because there's room for the other at the table. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm wondering out loud with you how much that comes into play because I've seen that dynamic happen in Chicago I've seen that dynamic happen in Minneapolis. I've seen that dynamic happen in Seattle. And to a, to a strong degree, I've so this is my fifth church where I've seen that same dynamic in varying levels and different degrees uh, roll itself out. And uh, it's a fascinating thing to watch. It's a frustrating thing to try to speak into because it requires the prophetic voice. And pastorally, it's difficult to navigate because the, the ultimate attempt is not to anger anyone, it's to create room at the table for everyone. And that's the struggle, I think, that many churches have today uh, whether they even realize it or not. Mm -hmm. Because it certainly would be a lot easier to just go down the street and start your new thing. Right. Yeah, so people don't have to Because you, you don't have any history. Both people don't have to change. People in the church don't have to change. The people in yeah. the community don't have to change yeah, when just, they walk through the door. You just start that new thing. Right. You know, and so I wonder sometimes if TV does have it right. You know, sitcoms don't ever go on forever. Like MASH had how many seasons of a run, right? 12, and, 10. Yeah, and then it was done, and we celebrated it. Woohoo! Great yeah. job, MASH. That was the greatest show ever, wasn't it? Oh, MASH rocked, yeah, you know, or Scandal. I think this is Scandal. No, I, mean, I don't watch it. I've just seen this was the season, final season, you know, or The Good Wife. Well, they, they have their run, and it was great, and then, boom, we, we're done. Right. Well, that's for The Simpsons. That's like season 27. <laughs> but it's because one of the, if you think about that. Is that what The Simpsons are? Yeah. Season 27? Something like that. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. The longest running TV show. It wow. beat out Gunsmoke. I don't know what that is, but. No, I remember that show. I know you probably don't. Yeah, I don't. That's yeah. just the style. But Simpsons has because probably that's, changed. That's because I'm um, 55 and older <laughs> yeah. and you're in the average age. Well, thing. put it this way. Simpsons was too <laughs> old, was too mature when I was a little kid. And now it's too, too young that I'm an adult uh, with my own kids. But maybe that show has changed. Maybe they're willing. I mean, they're definitely a pop culture show where they'll make fun of current trends in pop culture. So, for example, it's not about always going to be about Vietnam every episode. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be they'll make a joke about social media. They'll make a joke about, you know, current things. So they have stayed relevant and that's why they can stay on the air. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Hmm. One of the things I thought of and, and I really hope um, that people know my intention is not to make anyone feel bad, but you know, I think in a lot of ways, it's an incredible thing that the community around us has changed because I often, when I'm, when I'm meeting with teams and we're praying at, for an event or even a weekly event, I, I'm so thankful that we put something on and people come. Yeah. People, people do not have to come to anything that we do. You know, even youth group, when we've got a dozen students, I'm praying thankful that they, we put something on with, with, with heart and prayer and people come. When we put an event, um, people are coming on our campus. So in a lot of ways, um, even from a perspective of like dominant culture, 
um, the mission field is right next door. I think that's a benefit to our church. Mm-hmm. Um, not to sound like insincere, but it's easier that our mission field is in our neighborhood as opposed to having to go out, um, I guess, distances. Or a, a, like a friend of mine, he works at a, a church in Mission Viejo that's in a business district. It's probably only about 20-year-old church. The only thing they could afford was, you know, kind of a warehouse-type building. And uh, there's no guarantee that someone will come to something unless they do a lot of work um, convincing or marketing to people that you should come to this. They can't put on neighborhood events. They can't put on after-school programs. Um, I mean, they can. They do for their church members, but it's not. you're not going to catch someone on the street walking by to come and be a part of that. And so I think it's a benefit to our church that the community has changed. So we have a chance to be... I know people don't like the M word, but we have a chance to be missional um, right here. And God can call lots of us. Not everyone necessarily is called to be a mission and missional in this neighborhood, but many of us can find our calling and find um, worthy service, valuable relationships and friendships, you know, right across the street. And I think that's uh, something to be proud of. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, it's going to be a challenge for us here, too, and we're gearing up for this uh, um, you know, everything that we do needs really to be prioritized and focused, at least for the next f- few years, um, on those things that I led that we led the show with. What's the neighborhood actually look like that we're trying to connect with? Um, that's what it means to be sent. That's really the missional mandate. Doesn't mean you won't do other things, but we're gonna have to focus on that. We're gonna absolutely yeah. have to focus on that, and. Uh, in order to get, do that, we're going to have to stop being a thousand miles wide and a quarter inch deep and be just 10 miles wide and 10 miles deep. Yeah, that's good. That's Not good. forever, but just for the next season in the life of the church. Yeah. Steering the ship in the yeah. in the best winds. Focus. Yeah. So speaking of being um, more diverse, uh, I've got in six minutes I've got to go to the Placentia Ping Pong planning meeting. And that by far was the, one of the most culturally diverse events we've ever done. And I thought that was really neat to be a part of that. We've actually got people in, in the community um, who aren't a part of our faith tradition coming to be a part of the planning process for that, coming to, cool. to pull that off. And I think that's a good example of, you know, ping pong kind of seems silly and it's this, it's, some people take it very seriously, don't get me wrong, but it seems like fun and do people need that. But you know what, maybe people, people do need to have fun somewhere in their neighborhood that they can walk through and get a affordable lunch and have a, have a fun activity for the family. So I think that's a, a good example of how we can be relevant to our community. Yeah, and I agree. Yep. Thanks so much for coming on. And um, as always, uh, have any questions straight to Tobin's email. <laughs> I'm sure he would enjoy that. And uh, just, just makes his day. We'll see you guys later. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. <laughs>